Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com. So we've been in this series called Apocalypse How, and that's how you pronounce a question, Apocalypse How, uh, and it is a question, and I, I'm going to very quickly uh, do a little bit of recap over the last few weeks, because this is week three. I have no idea how long we're going to be here. Uh, it is one of the most divisive topics in the church, you know, women in leadership and the end times, those two things are really contentious, you know. And so this is just an act of obedience. And I want to just quickly ask two questions. Is it anyone's very first time at the resting place? We want to welcome you. Anybody very first time? Hi. Wow. Wow. Quite a few of you. Welcome. Bless you. Thank you for coming. Um, Is it anyone's very first time listening to this series? So I know maybe you guys and everybody. Raise your hand if it's your very first time listening to the series. Really high. I got to know this really quick. How many of us? Okay. All right. Um, That tells me how much I need to recap. Uh, today is going to be very fast. If you've been here the last few weeks, I've been going slow. This is going to be like times three speed. So watch out. Buckle your seatbelt. I'm sorry, uh, <clears throat> but there's a lot I have to say today. Okay? And today we're going to be talking about Christ within his church. Say within. within. The book of Revelation has sections in it, and there's a section in the first chapter that speaks of what Christ in us actually looks like. Okay, so we're going to go through that. But let me give you the overall purpose of this entire thing. Okay, the purpose of this series is to, number one, break off fear of the apocalypse. And number two, to break through the pride of the know-it-all. Okay, so if you're afraid of the end times, this is for you. If you think you understand everything there is to understand about the end times, this is also for you. Okay, my keyboard warriors on Facebook, I'm looking at you. All right, we are going to take this approach with humility. Amen? Because this is very mysterious. This whole thing is very mysterious. I don't understand it all. In fact, last week, I was talking about like quantum mechanics, things like that. I don't understand. About 24.3% of what I said last week, I actually understand. Okay? So I'm just being obedient and sharing what the Lord has shown me. But to quickly recap, I want to give you my interpretive model for the book of Revelation. Okay, because it's very important that your approach to it is intellectually honest. Okay, what I mean by that is it needs to work all the way through the book. A lot of modality, a lot of methods you have to make excuses for. There are holes in. You have to change gears. You have to choose when it's metaphor, when it's literal. You have to make some choices, and there's no indication in the text as to what choices you should make. So I'm going to give you an intellectually honest tool you can take all the way through the book. It's the first three verses of Revelation. This is week one, okay? Revelation chapter one, one through three is the tool that you can take through the entire thing, okay? And it works all the way through. But just to give you a couple highlights from that, okay, it says this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, all right? The word revelation is the word apocalypse, and the word apocalypse doesn't mean necessarily what you think it means, all right? It means to lift off the cover, It's to unveil. So this book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It's not the unveiling of the Antichrist. It's not the unveiling of the beast. It's not the unveiling of the end times. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. That's exactly what it says. Okay? So let me give you a little hint. Jesus is not the one who is veiled. 
He's not the one with sight issues. Nothing's hindering his sight. Are you with me? We are the ones. Can you say this in humility with me today? We are the ones who are veiled, yes? Do you need an unveiling? Do you need the cover lifted off so you can see properly? Okay, good. Then we can keep talking here. All right, this is the unveiling of Jesus Christ, and it's actually written in sign language. Okay, that might sound confusing, but really what I'm saying to you is, it says an angel made it known to John. The word made it known is the word symbolized, signified, indicated. So everything in the book is a symbol. It's a sign that speaks of who Jesus is and what must take place soon. It's the unveiling of Jesus written in sign language, and it's only written to the loving servants of God. Okay, so... If you're a loving servant of God, this is for you. If you're not a loving servant of God, this is illegal reading. Okay? It's not written to you. All right? Finally, if you read it and it doesn't make you happy, you are reading it wrong. Because it says, happy are those, makarios, blessed are those who read aloud the words of this book. Yeah, it is good news. The good news doesn't end in the end times. Okay? That's just a little recap of week one. Week two, we talked about asking better questions. Everybody's trying to ask the when. When is this happening? When will it happen? When was it written? That's an okay question. We gave you a better question last week, which is where? From what realm? Is this happening on the earth? Is it happening in the heavens? Did you know there's more than one heaven? The heavens are the Lord's heavens, right? And so we are looking at this through a multidimensional perspective. And the book has different sections. I went through that last week extensively. All this is on our YouTube channel, okay? It talks about the first heaven, the third heaven, the second heaven, and then it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, okay? So a whole bunch of really mysterious, cool stuff going on in this book. Are you with me? Okay. I haven't started to go fast yet, so I need, you to, I need to make sure you're okay, all right? We, we're going to do this. Today, we're going to talk about Christ within his church. Say within. Yes, this is in reference to the description of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. That description of Jesus is a picture of the ascended Christ amongst and within his church. Okay, so this is first heaven zone, the dimension we're looking at. This is a first heaven reality of Jesus Christ unveiled within his church. Say within. Okay, so first heaven is the seen realm. You know, the heavens, you can see the heavens and the earth. You can see the stars in the sky, right? It's the seen realm. It's something that's physically able to be seen, all right? And so that's how we know that this is Christ working in and through the church then when John wrote it and now. Are you with me? Okay? So these symbols unveil who Christ is in and to his church on the earth. All right, I'm going to prove all this in a minute. I'm just trying to give you a box. So you can take this with you, okay? It's very complicated, but we're going to make it simple in Jesus' name by the Holy Spirit, okay? But this is the ascended Christ within his church. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 through 16. Let's read it. This is John speaking, and he says, I was in the spirit realm on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice sounding like a trumpet saying to me, Write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. When I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, I saw seven golden lampstands. Right there is a very, a huge key for your spiritual life, okay? He says, when I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, 
He did not just hear a voice. He turned to see the voice. The language of God is picture. He turned to see the voice. When God speaks to you, he most often describes a picture for you. He paints a picture for you. Okay? It doesn't come out in full-on sentences all the time. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's one word. But it paints a picture. Are you with me? His word creates landscapes. His word created the entire universe. His language is picture. I turn to see the voice. Are you with me? You also should turn to see the voice. When God speaks to you, you need to stop and turn to see the voice and say something like, what meaneth this? Okay? Like, you need to stop, slow down, and not just think you got it. I heard the Lord say, I heard the Lord say, okay, how much time do you spend turning to see that voice? Super important. Okay. That's literally a side note. All right? Sorry. Just felt like you needed that. All right? It was free. I saw seven golden lampstands, he says. And walking among the lampstands, I saw someone like a son of man wearing a full-length robe with a golden sash over his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were gleaming like bright metal, as though they were glowing in a fire. And his voice was like the roar of many rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars. And out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. And his face was shining like the brightness of the blinding sun. Amen. This is the ascended Christ within his church. All right? Let me prove it to you. Jesus took his physical body to heaven. When he died and rose again, he rose and showed himself to the, the disciples. He ate with him. He had a physical body. Amen. Amen. So he took that physical body into the third heaven. Are you with me? Um, flesh and bone is on the throne. He took his body. This is a major tenet of our faith, that he ascended in his physical form, and he will descend again the same way that he came. We believe in this house in a bodily return of Christ. Are you with me? He took his body with him. He's bringing it back. Yes? He didn't just dissipate into a spirit. He took his body. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy cool, I would say. You know? All right? So these are spiritual pictures of who he is in us and through us on the earth right now. He has, like, regular hair. He has, you know, regular eyes, regular feet. You understand? He's a physical human being. Are you with me? I know, you're like, this guy has lost it. It's true. And yet John saw eyes like fire, hair like wool. These are spiritual pictures of Christ within you. Now, everything I'm sharing with you is a submission. I, this whole series is a submission. I'm not an expert. I don't have any letters next to my name. I never even went to Bible college. I started two of them, but I've never been to one. All right? I just... I've just been with Jesus, and the Lord showed me some things. And whenever someone shares something like this, this is technically special revelation, all right? This would not fly, what I'm going to share with you, would not fly in my church I grew up in, okay? But what I have done is very carefully make sure that in order to submit it to you, I have two or three witnesses from Scripture outside of the one Scripture I'm in. All right, if you think you got a revelation from one moment in Scripture, you better get two or three unrelated Scriptures to back you up if you start sharing it. Okay, so everything I'm sharing to you has two or three, at least two or three witnesses. I'm going to share some of them. Okay, are you with me? 
It's, it's not that I have to have two or three witnesses in Scripture to hear God say something. It's that for me to be a, an honest and above-reproach teacher, to share it with you, even to submit it to you, I need to have that. Are you with me? All right. Some people are just like, that verse means this. I'm like, that disagrees with this scripture, this scripture, this scripture, this scripture. They're like, but the Lord told me. I was like, go back in the closet, ask for somebody else. I don't know who you're talking to in there. Okay? It's the, it's the safeguard. These are the safety rails. This is how not to be a heretic. It's also how to get called a heretic, apparently. So <laughs> did you catch that? I get called that, but I'm not that. It's funny how, anyway, so good company. Beelzebub, false prophet, cult leader, heretic, I got them all. They're like medals in the spirit realm, I think. Anyway, I know I'm loved. Anyway, so this concept of Christ within his church, for me to even give you that submission, I have to give you two or three witnesses that that's a thing. Are you with me? Okay, and you might know them, but I'm laboring here on purpose so you can see the importance of it. Okay, so here's one uh, witness in Scripture. 1 John 4.17 says, By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. That's literally in this age, in the present age. John wrote that after he ascended to heaven. That's a crazy statement. As he is, so also are we in this world. So this is Christ within the church, I'm telling you. Here's another one, Colossians 1, 26 through 27. This is usually where you hear it said that uh, Christ in us is the hope of glory. I just like this translation. It says, there is a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations. But now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people, and God wants everyone to know it. Amen? So there's two witnesses for you. Christ within his church has a certain way about him, and I believe Revelation chapter 1 shows it to us and lines up with both of those verses. Are you with me? Okay. Here we go. This is where I go fast. I'm about to start going fast now. <laughs> trying to help. Okay, John saw the seven golden lampstands, right? He saw the seven golden lampstands. He saw that first. It's actually menorahs, okay? It's not like a lamp you have in your house unless, you know, you're Jewish or Messianic and all that. You know, it's a menorah. It has seven shafts on it, and there would be the middle one that was tallest, and then there's three on each side, six on each, that are lower, all right? It's made of hammered gold, and it's all one piece of gold. Isn't that amazing? Its craftsmanship is amazing. But you only put oil in the middle shaft, and that flows to the other six. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. You don't have an anointing. You have the anointed one. Jesus is walking amongst the lampstands. Revelation 1.20 says that the lampstands are the churches. Revelation chapter 1 verse 20 says the lampstands are the churches. So each lampstand represents a church. Are you with me? Yes. So this is an indication of where John is seeing because he, if he's seeing lampstands, he's seeing churches. Are you with me? He's seen the churches on the earth, okay? So there's seven of them because the number seven is the biblical number for completion, all right? So this is the complete and fully mature church on the earth. Christ in his church will look like what I just read to you, eyes of fire, hair like wool, long robe, sash. Christ on the earth in his church will look like that when the seven churches come up, when the complete 
church comes to pass. When we grow up, do you have some growing to do? I've got a little bit, you know, to do. So, amen? Anybody else? Yeah, a little bit. Okay, we're growing together. These are also seven physical churches. Amen? John wrote this letter to seven physical churches. And it's Christ in those churches in that day. And it's Christ in this church in this day. Are you with me? Okay. So, this is a symbol that speaks to what the churches are, the light of the world, okay? Jesus said it this way, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, lamp stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is a different sermon, but if you are worried about getting glory for your works, you aren't shining bright enough. No one turns on a light to look at the light. They see the room. If you're shining bright enough, they won't see the bulb. They'll see the way. So you're worried about being the spotlight? Sorry, sister friend. You are the spotlight. Okay? No worries. You are the spotlight. Okay. Back to my sermon. So John saw the Son of Man walking among the lampstands. Can you see the lampstands? Are you? They're us. They're the church. It's a picture. Yes? Okay. Jesus is walking. This is Christ within his people. His presence in the churches. This unveils the way Christ is among the people who are his. This is how the Holy Spirit works in us to reveal Christ to us and to the world. Are you following me? These, there are secrets in this passage that unlock the maturity of the saints. There are spiritual secrets that unlock the maturity of the saints. Okay? Uh, Jesus said it this way. You can put it up. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But John 16, 13 through 14 said the Holy Spirit will lead you into all the truth. All right? All truth is from Holy Spirit. You can get truth from whatever radio station you listen to. But only Holy Spirit will lead you into all of the truth. All truth is from God, but only the Spirit of God will lead you into all of it. Are you with me? Okay, so the Holy Spirit is a picture of oil, right? The oil in the Bible is a picture of the Holy Spirit. There's oil in the lampstand. What do you think Jesus is doing in among, among his churches in this picture and amongst us? He's giving us oil. He's pouring out the Holy Spirit. He said, it's good that I go away so that I can send you the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Now, he's wearing a full-length robe, okay? The full-length robe. This is, these are all pictures, okay? They're all on purpose, all right? The full-length robe speaks of Christ as the king priest, okay? Jesus is king, amen? He's the king of the universe, amen? There's no one more powerful than Jesus. He is sovereign. He is above all, amen? Somebody say amen. Okay. But he's wearing the garments of a priest in this picture, very interesting. What is this saying? It says that he's the king priest. This is speaking to the order of Melchizedek, which is a higher order of priesthood. It's actually the highest. It's higher than the Levitical priesthood. Okay? And so Jesus is robed, and in, this, this, uh, in the passage in the Aramaic, it says, in the robe of the ephod, in the Aramaic, which is literally the high priest's robes. Right? Okay? So a king is doing the duty of the high priest. A king is doing the duty of a high priest. Well, you know what you're called? You're called a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession. Royal king priesthood, priest, king priest. Are you with me? Christ within his church. Say within. within. 
This is a picture of how he works within us, okay? So for cross-reference for this, because I don't have time to read two chapters of the Bible today, Hebrews chapter 7 through chapter 8 will give you all you need to research the order of Melchizedek, okay? You are in the order of Melchizedek. We belong to a different priesthood. It's the new covenant priesthood. Are you with me? If you're not, it's okay. Just try to say Melchizedek on a microphone three times fast, all right? Yeah. Anyway, Jesus had the long road. He's a king priest. Amen? Do you see that? Also, a golden sash over his chest. Gold is a picture of kingship, but when it's tied to Jesus, it's divine, because Jesus is divine. Divine kingship. So this sash is what would actually be used to hold a purse, a money purse, or your waistband that would hold everything together, okay? So... This is the article of clothing that would hold your wallet or your purse or your, whatever your treasure is, your gold and silver. It would be around your waist. It's literally the word for waistband, okay? But Jesus doesn't have his waistband on his waist. He has his waistband on his chest. Why? Because it's where his treasure goes. It's his treasure chest. He's got the waistband that holds the treasure over his chest. This is a picture of pure, intimate love of God for his greatest treasure, you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are his workmanship, his own master work, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works. The word workmanship there is poema, and it's the word poetry. We are his poem on the earth. Come on. You're his best work. You're not a piece of work. You're his best work. You need to stop lying about yourself to you. We are his workmanship, and he's taken this divine sash. This is a picture. Are you, hear, are you hearing these things spiritually? What would hold the treasure, he put it on his chest. His chest is a place of intimacy. You don't get to someone's chest unless you're intimate with them, right? Or they push you away very quickly. Like, that gets weird, right? So the chest is a place of intimacy. Jesus' chest, that place, is where he holds you dear. He holds the treasure on his chest. It's the treasure chest. Are you with me? That's why it says a golden sash. I'm going to keep going. His head and his hair were white like wool, white as glistening snow. Now, the head in Scripture is a, is a motif a recurring picture for leadership, all right? Headship, leader, all right? So Jesus is the true leader of every single church, okay? So before you get mad on, at church A, B, C, D, or E, or whatever, all right, remember that Jesus is the one actually leading that church, and he only has imperfect kind to work with, all right? So the only kind of church God loves are imperfect churches because those are the only kind of churches God has, the only kind of church Jesus leads is an imperfect one because those are the only kind of churches that he has. Are you with me? Okay. So Jesus is the true leader of every church. That's what this is speaking to us. Not only that, hair in the Hebrew is the word for uh, devotion. It's a homonym. The word hair means devotion. So if his head is leadership, his hair is his devotion. Are you with me? He's completely devoted to leading the churches of the earth. Come on, we're going to be just fine. Jesus is in charge. All we have to do is follow the leader. All right, he's the shepherd. I'm the under-shepherd. We just do what he tells us to do, no matter how crazy it sounds. Okay? And I think if you've been around long enough, you, can t you, you know I'm not lying right now. Okay? So 
The word that's white, glistening as snow, is that's a word that pictures righteousness. White is a picture of righteousness or purity. So this picture is Jesus is righteously devoted to leading the churches of the earth into wholeness, into fullness. He is a pure leader. He's the best leader ever. Amen? Are you seeing these pictures? I got a lot more. So this is like I'm just throwing meat on the table, and you're just going to have to chew all day. Like you're gonna, your chewing muscles are going to get a workout today, all right? And just take it with you and keep chewing on it, amen? But I believe that as we look at him, we look like him. And I believe that if this picture was given to the churches, we should see it and see ourselves unlocked to be like him. Are you with me? As we behold him, we're transformed into the same image. We also, you understand, everything I'm reading to you is a mirror. We also are called to lead with righteousness. You are called to lead your families in righteousness, in pure devotion to one another. You also are a royal priesthood. This is speaking of Christ within his church. Say within. I think you're following me. Next it says, yes, eyes like flames of fire. Okay? The eyes are an obvious symbol to me. The way he looks at you. This is the way he looks at you. How does he look at you? He looks at you with burning passion. Your eyes on fire, how else do you know? What, what else is that except passion? I've seen those eyes of fire. I don't mind telling you. I have no problem telling you. I've seen his eyes of fire like John saw them. I wasn't imagining it. I saw it. I don't know how else to tell you that. It changed me from the inside out. I didn't try to be different. I was different. Okay, my wife says it this way. She says it's like a, a switch was flipped on the, in the on position, and it broke in the on position. And it's just on. <laughs> I am this way all the time. I'm not talking to you like this because I have a microphone. This is not my preacher voice, all right? This is my voice. This is who I am. I can't turn it off. I start talking about Jesus. I look this crazy all the time. Don't worry. Driving down the road, sitting on my couch, doesn't matter. Why? Because I've seen these, I've seen these eyes, man. It broke me. It broke me wide open. <laughs> so flames of fire indicate his passion for us. It speaks of how his passionate love for us is what we need to keep our gaze fixed upon. We need to keep our eyes fixed on his eyes. You know, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, we run the race with endurance, right? Come on. His eyes are looking, actually, to set your heart on fire. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. You want to know how, what strengthens you? Love. You've heard it said that, you know, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Nope. Not possible. Every lover is a fighter. Jesus has nothing but burning passion for his church. He has washed us clean, and he sees us only beautifully. He only sees us in beauty. Are you with me? Song of Solomon is also an allegorical picture, symboled book, just so you know, just like Revelation. All right? If it's literal, then it advocates orgies, and that's not cool. It's, read it. Just read it. If it's literal, then it, he says, take all your fill of her, all you priests, plural. The priests come and take their fill of the, of the Shulamite, of the bride. I don't know about you, but my Bible does not advocate orgies, all right? Especially not priests doing that. Are you with me? Okay, you're like, he can't say those words. It's in your Bible. It just, it's in your Bible, all right? 
So I'm just going to say what the Bible says, and you can get over it, all right? So Jesus is the bridegroom king in Song of Solomon. The Shulamite is the church growing into maturity. If you want to do, if you want a real picture of what your maturation process will look like, read the Song of Songs. That is what it looks like to grow up as the bride of Christ, just so you know. But in Song of Songs, chapter 6, verse 4, the king says to the bride, he says this, Oh, my beloved, and he's saying it to you. Are you the beloved? Are you, are you in the beloved? Come on, that's what you're called, the beloved. Oh, my beloved, you are lovely. He looks at you and says, Oh, you're so lovely. What about what I'm doing? It doesn't undo what he did. You are lovely. You can't ever do enough right things to be right. I think you've proved that by now. <laughs> right? It's his works that make you righteous, not yours. Amen? Come on. So, oh, my beloved, you are lovely. When I see you in your beauty, I see a radiant city where we dwell as one. Sound familiar? It sounds like the book of Revelation. More pleasing than any pleasure, more delightful than any delight. You have ravished my heart, stealing away my strength to resist you. Even hosts of angels stand in all of you. God is not mad at you, man. God is madly in love with you. You might think you're worthless. You've been wrong before. You're worth the blood of Jesus. Feet gleaming like bright metal. Burnished bronze is what it says. Bronze, brass. This is a picture of judgment. It's a biblical picture of judgment, okay? So this says to me that Jesus walked through the judgment you and I should have received. He walked through the fires of judgment, and now he's able to stand in our place, the righteous judge of all. Are you with me? Come on, are you seeing these pictures yet? The serpent Moses lifted up in the wilderness was a bronze serpent. You remember that? He, there were people being bit by snakes because they sinned. I, <laughs> Aren't you glad you're in the new covenant? Like, old covenant, they send and snakes pop out and start biting them. Like, that's, whoa. Imagine if that happened, right? Not cool. New covenant, you don't get what you deserve, you get what he deserves. That's the scandal. That's the wild part of it. That's why we're so thankful. We don't get what we deserve, we get what he deserved. Amen? Old covenant, though, man, tough sailing, bro. They got what they deserved. Okay? Not even that, actually. God was extremely, extremely merciful towards them, okay? So Numbers 21, 8 through 9 says, The Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live, okay? Do you remember do you, the medical field? If you're in the medical field, you know there's the cross with the serpent around it? This is that. If you didn't know, this is where it comes from, to heal are you with me? So Jesus said in John 3, 14 through 15, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus walked through the judgment you and I deserved. He said, now is the time for judgment that if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. He said, the time of judgment has come. Okay? <laughs> wow, I'm... No. Sorry, having a conversation with the Lord. <laughs> I have not said this all weekend, and I don't want to say it. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yes, Lord. Uh, <laughs> you'll understand in a second. <laughs> People want to say the day of judgment is coming. The day of judgment has come. 
you actually get to choose your day of judgment. <laughs> Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto myself. He said, the, day, the time for judgment has now come. If I be lifted up, judgment day was the cross. And you get to have your own judgment day, either right now in this moment, where you're no longer judged for what you've done, but for what he's done, or you can wait till the last day, where you're before the great white throne. You get to choose your judgment day. That's what I'm going to get in trouble for, right there. <laughs> it's the truth. I don't mind telling you. I just don't want the aggravation. So whatever. Jesus not only steps into the fire of judgment that we deserve, he also steps into the fire of judgment we don't deserve. Judgment and accusation coming against you, Jesus is also walking in that fire. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? It's in Daniel chapter 3, if you want to look it up. All right? They walk into the fire. They're thrown into the fire for being righteous by an evil king. And then the Nebuchadnezzar looks in and he says, weren't there only three? I see a fourth man in the fire. And it looks like one of, a son of the gods is what he said. Jesus is not only taking the righteous judgment that you deserve, he's also stepping into the fire of judgment that you don't deserve, that comes against you, the accusation, the judgments from others. His feet are the fires of righteous judgment that stand up for us in every single way. I have to keep going. His voice like the roar of many rushing waters. This is the, his voice in his many people. This is his voice amplified through as many people. I know that because the same description is used later. Revelation 19, verse 6 says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Say, a great multitude. Like the roar of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That's how it's reading right there. That's what it says. I don't have it up behind me. Sorry. Revelation 19, 6. I do have it on the computer, but anyway, it says, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the Almighty reigns. All right, some people read this, mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the Almighty. No, it, it's, that's not what it says. Mighty peals of thunder, crying out, hallelujah. That times a million. You know what that sounds like? Many rushing waters. Listen to a crowd cheer when the Buccaneers win today against the Carolina Panthers. Hey, man. There's prophet trying, prophet lying, and prophesying. I'm doing the third one. Okay. The point is, this is the voice of the many rushing out. Are you with me? So when you join in with his people, when Christ speaks through his people, it's the sound of many rushing waters. Amen? Amen. He held the seven stars in his right hand. These, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 20 says, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. All right? So I'm going to read you straight out of a Bible dictionary written by people who do have letters next to their name. All right? They said this word, angelos, literally means a messenger or a delegate either human or heavenly. Yeah, the seven angels are, are the seven stars in his right hand are the seven angels of the seven churches. He's writing a letter. Let me give you a little clue here. Angels, celestial angels, don't need to read letters. People need to read letters. The, each angel of the seven churches is a leader in that church. It's a messenger, a delegate. 
Do you know Jesus said to Philip, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man? By the way, Jacob's ladder is a DNA strand. It's the Son of Man, his DNA. It's a DNA strand, if you know what I'm talking about. You will see angels ascending and descending. Why did they ascend first? Because they're humanly angels, messengers, who go get a message and bring it back. I'm your angel today. Sorry if you're a little disappointed. I don't have any wings. That's okay. I'm a delegate. I'm an ambassador of Christ. Are you with me? So these messengers are those who proclaim the word, okay? So this is Christ, the ascended Christ within his church, amen? So anytime you carry the message of the Lord, you are in his right hand, empowered and protected, sent out to reap a harvest. Are you with me? Come on. It's powerful. Out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. You ever heard that statement before? Ever heard double-edged sword? Yeah. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Well, guess what? That word two-edged is double-mouthed, two-mouthed sword. There's a two-mouthed sword coming out of his mouth. What meaneth this? <laughs> kind of a weird picture. But it's his word in our mouth. It's the words you got from being intimate with him. You know, Moses did not speak to, to God face to face. That's not what it says. Moses spoke to God mouth to mouth. When it says Moses met with God in the tent of meeting, it's literally mouth to mouth. Double mouth sword. His word in our mouth. He declares it. We repeat it. That is the sword of the spirit. The sword that divides is saying what he's saying. Not saying anything in scripture, it's saying what he's saying right now. A word in season is life to a man's bone. Bones. A word out of season is Peter cutting off the ear of the high priest in the garden, swinging a sword the Lord never told him to swing. He told him to carry, but not told to use. You also need to not, in this <coughs> political season, use scripture to deafen those who are actually supposed to hear the word of the Lord from your mouth. You need to swing the sword when the Lord tells you to, and none, no other times. Okay? That's how you wield the double-mouthed sword, two-edged sword. Are you with me? His face, last picture, his face shining like the brightness of the sun in all its strength. Okay? The word face in Hebrew is panim, and that word is what they use for the word for presence, presence of God. You can't say literally the presence of someone. You say in the face of someone. Okay? So right now, you're all in my presence because you can see my face. I'm in yours. And now, you're not in my presence. We are no longer in each other's presence in the Hebraic mindset. Are you with me? I have left your presence. You've left mine. Now we're in each other's presence. It's the face. So if it says his face was shining, we can know that this is speaking of his presence, the brightness of his presence. Are you with me? You guys, okay, I told you you're going to have to chew. Your jaws look a little tired. Just keep on going. We're almost there. All right. His face shining like the brightness of his face, his presence, all right? Now, remember that. And then it says full strength. That is the word for dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite from. It's the word that in Luke 24, 49, Jesus said, stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. That word power is the word dunamis power. It's the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. So his face was shining in full strength. His presence was showing his power. And when you and I 
Stay fixed on his face, eye to eye, mouth to mouth. Stay locked on his gaze. We're infused with his power. It's in his presence we receive his power. Are you with me? Yes. You can take gifting outside of the presence of God. You can't take power. You can operate in a prophetic gift, but it will not have the power it's intended to have unless you're operating face to face with the Lord. Are you with me? Gigi, come on up here and help me finish this. When we live in his presence, we're infused with his power. That's his face shining like the brightness of the sun. So this is Christ within his church, walking amongst the lampstands. This is what Jesus in this room looks like. That description I read to you. Isn't that amazing? It's not some far off time. You, that's available today. Amen? Let me read to you Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation because it does the best job. When it says he's coming on the clouds, that's not what it says. It's within the clouds. It's not the word for on. It's the word amidst. Wherever two or more are gathered, I am in the midst of them. Same word. He's coming in the midst of the clouds. Okay, so we're going to read this to you. Go ahead and put it up on the screens for me. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 through 8. It says, behold. Behold. That means look. That means get a picture. Behold, he appears within the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the people groups of the earth will weep with sorrow because of him. And so it is to be. Amen. I am the Aleph and the Tav. That's Alpha Omega in the original language, Hebrew. Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty is coming again in bodily form. But first, he's coming through his body. Listen to me. Jesus will not return until Jesus comes through his body. Coming from within the cloud company. The cloud of witnesses. The cloud of people who declare his word. If we, Jesus doesn't see his reflection on the earth, he is staying in heaven. I want to hasten the day of the Lord. How about you? That means we need to grow up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ so that he can come through us and then come to us. This is the plan. Everybody's waiting for him to come back. Well, you haven't even been nice to your neighbor yet. You haven't even chosen patience when you want to blow up yet. Unpack your bags. We're going to be here for a minute. Amen. But we can speed this thing up if we look unto Jesus, if we keep our eyes fixed on him. Are you with me? Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. Our hope is you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of everything you hear. For more great resources like this, go to trptampa.com.